into the Word. Amen. Welcome everybody here in the house of God today and those online. We want to thank you for being with us. I do want to say um, we've had some issues on our website. Uh, Facebook is working fine. Our YouTube videos, they're working fine. But our web, uh, c2phoenix.org, is down right now. So if you normally give online, uh, that's why you have not been able to access it. We still have a website. We're just trying to figure out what's the deal with our host server. And uh, so today we want to continue in the study that we began several weeks ago talking about the invisible kingdom. Now we know that the invisible kingdom is God's kingdom. It's the kingdom that um, we believe in, but we can't see it. Except when it influences this kingdom that we live in. And Jesus did that with regularity. Now, I have uh, last week titled a message called Kingdom Keys, How the Invisible Kingdom Works. And a lot of times we don't see the kingdom of God influencing the kingdom that we live in, this world, because we're not aware that there are keys we have to use. I mean, every one of us today that got here by vehicle, there was a often overlooked item. We don't even really think about it. It's just second nature that you have to insert a key or at least have a key around you or a fob or something if you got one of those fancy little electric start things. I still have the old-fashioned key. So I know I've got to have my keys with me. And those keys, um, I have three keys. I've got the key to my car, I have the key to my home, and I have the key of the church. Now, this is not just the key to the church. This is a double zero. This will get me into every single door in the church. Some of you might have a one. Well, that will get you into certain places, but it won't get you into others. Some of you might have a two. That will get you in some places. This will get me everywhere. Now, in the kingdom of God, we have keys. Last week, key number one was the key of reciprocity, which is a $5 word that basically means if you do this, God will do that. If you don't do this, God won't do that. The second key we had was the key called what? Use. In other words, God's given us talents. We read the parable of the guy who got five. He went out, traded, got five more, gave his, gave his master ten. Another one was given two. He went out, traded, got two more, gave his master. That servant gave his master four. That master said, well done, good and faithful servant, to the guy with the five, the guy with the two. Then there was a guy who had one. He didn't use it. He went and buried it. And because he didn't use it, guess what happened? He lost it. And so the key of use is the second key. Now, I used to, I used to have small keys. But these are keys that um, Dan made. Dan and, and his son, Ted, a couple of keys. 
Now, today's key, I didn't finish last week's sermon, so if you still have your notes from that, and I think there may still be some on the back uh, info booth, this key, the third key that I want us to really look at today is the key called perseverance. Boy, do we need that today. Amen. I'm just going to set these right here. There we go. Can you see those okay? I want you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. We're also going to look at Luke, chapter 18. We're going to read them together here. And uh, as we read these, I want you to see a principle that Jesus taught. In both of these passages, Jesus is the one speaking. And say out loud, this is truth. This is the invisible kingdom revealed as the key of perseverance. Perseverance. Jesus says this in Matthew 7 and verse 7. He says, ask and what? It should be given to you. Seek and what? Knock And it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it shall be opened. Or what man is there among you, when his son shall ask him for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he shall ask for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good, somebody say good, to those who ask Him? You see, God wants to do something good for you. Now look at Luke. Slip on over there. Pass by the land of Mark and wind up in Luke 18. I want you to see verses... Uh, 1 through 8. And again, this is Jesus' words. This is his teaching. And he says this. Now he was telling them a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. How many of you right now today in this world and time, it's tempting to lose heart? But Jesus said in this particular parable, There was a certain, in a certain city, a judge. Now listen to this. That judge did not fear God. Everybody say he was was away from God. I mean, he's a sinner. He's evil. He doesn't fear God. And he did not respect man. So this guy is twofold, a twofold evil dude. I mean, he's just, he's not even fun to be around. He doesn't love God, and then he's, he's kind of a jerk to man. All right? That's 2022 translation. And there was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. And for a while, somebody say this, for a little while, he was unwilling. But afterward, he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God, nor respect man, Yet, because this widow bothers me, 
I will give her legal protection lest by continually coming she wear me out. And this is what Jesus said. Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Everybody say, the unrighteous dude. Okay, this is the person that doesn't love God and doesn't even like guys. He didn't like men. Look at this. Now shall not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night, and will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will bring about justice for them speedily. However, this is a big one. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find the faith? Is literally the translation. Will he find the faith of God working in us? Do we truly have faith in God? Do we really believe he can do all things? You see, we get tempted by life and by trials and by tribulations, and the whole purpose of the trial from the devil is to get us to quit. Quit praying. Quit church. Quit relationships. You know, a baby chick that is approaching full life inside this egg finds itself in a very nice, safe environment. It's dark. It's quiet. This egg keeps this little chick warm and safe, and and he feels perfect. But soon he realizes that that eggshell that is such a, a, a safe haven is also restricting him a little bit. He can't stretch out like he used to. You see, there's something in life that says, I hate to grow. So this little chick begins pecking at the shell. And he doesn't really understand it, but God has so ordered things that this little chick has to peck. And you know what? It doesn't get out in one peck. It doesn't even get out in a peck peck. It doesn't get out in a peck peck peck. I mean, it has to keep on pecking. He works hard hour after hour, and before long, he has attained the strength by pecking. And he has endured by pecking and has gained this endurance to cope with a new environment and he breaks open the shell and he steps out into new life. Reminds me of the story where God tells a man, my job for you, do you see that rock? Do you see this boulder? And he said, yes. He said, what I want you to do is to push on that boulder. And so this man began to push on that boulder. So every day he would go out and he would push on that boulder. And guess how many, how many inches it moved? Zero. The next day he goes out and pushes on the boulder. All day long he's pushing on the boulder. He can't move it 
an inch. And he keeps doing this, and he's pushing on the boulder and pushing on the boulder and pushing on the boulder. Finally, he gets fed up with it, and he comes to God, and he said, God, I don't know why in the world I've got to push on this boulder. I haven't moved it one inch. God said, I never told you to move it. He said, I told you to push against it. He said, but God, what kind of what, what life is that? Push against a boulder. He said, have you looked at yourself lately? Go to a mirror. He said, do you see your muscles? I mean, this dude was built. Why? Because he was pushing against the rock. The purpose wasn't to move the rock. The purpose was to build the man. You see, people have tried, back to the chick story, people have tried to help the chicks out by proceeding to crack the shell and open it for them. Now, does anybody know what happens? They short-circuit God's process. And what happens? The very thing they wanted to help live, they caused to die. There is a teaching that says all one has to do to get things from God is to just speak that, and that'll happen. Now, there is a truth on what we say, but I want to tell you this. You can say all day anything you want to say, but if you don't have faith, those are just words. And the devil knows who knows. I mean, do you remember when seven sons of Sceva, a priest, they tried to cast out a demon? And the demon said, Jesus we know, Paul we know. Who are you? And one man with a demon in him beat up and stripped seven men. Jesus we know. Paul, we know. We don't know who you are. You know, I got news for us today. We don't only want to be known in heaven. You want to be known in hell. You want the devil to know who you are. You want the devil to say, oh, man, they're out of bed again. We're going to have to figure something out. They're going to get to praying. They're going to get to moving in the spirit. They're going to get to moving in the spiritual gifts. When they pray, things are going to happen. Can I remind you that Jacob... Wrestled all night with God. Abraham waited 25 years for the fulfillment of his promise. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Do you know what in the Greek that the tense of that verb is? Keep on asking. It doesn't mean you just do it one time. You got to stay with it. You got to keep on. You can't just pray for a loved one one time and say, okay, it's a done deal. You've got to keep on. Keep on keeping on. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. That means this, and I know this is going to get irritating in a minute, but this is exactly what that widow did. I'm not going to answer. I know it's that widow. She'll get tired in a minute. You say, Pastor, quit. No, I'm not going to do it. This is exactly what God wants us to do. You see how irritating that can get? And this is what that guy who didn't fear God and didn't love man, this is what happened. Man, she's irritating me. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. 
Keep on knocking. Okay, stop. Got your answer. Amen? See, so often we get discouraged. We, we quit. So when we do that, here's what happens. The principles of the invisible, invisible kingdom get short, short-circuited, just like helping that little chick out that needed to persevere and needed to do this. How many of you remember a guy by the name of Thomas Edison? Now, what we remember is we remember all of the things that he succeeded in. You know, he, he had success with electric light. But do you know he was quoted as saying this, that his accomplishments were 2% inspiration and 98% perspiration. He failed more times than he succeeded before he succeeded. But he didn't quit. And I want to just tell you this. When it seems like nothing's getting through, don't stop. When it seems like there's not going to be any answer on the way, don't stop. When it seems like God will not move for you, don't stop. It's a kingdom key, and we got to use it. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, there's another outline you should have today, and it says kingdom keys, how the invisible kingdom works, part two. Does everybody have that? If you don't, you need one, raise your hand. We'll make sure you get some. Paul, we have one here in the front. And then uh, we'll make sure that if you need it, there's also should be some in the back. So as we look at this, I just want you to know that Jesus Christ came to set us free. He doesn't want you bound. Amen? Turn your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 12. And I'm going to add another key today. We've looked at the keys right here in the front. Reciprocity, use, and perseverance. Now, flowing in line in that same stream... With the laws of reciprocity, the law of use or the key of use, and the law of perseverance is another law. And it is the law or key called responsibility. Everybody say responsibility. Can't get them all on there. Getting so many, it won't fit. Church, can I just say this one is huge. Look at your neighbor and say this is huge. Luke 12. We're going to read several scriptures here. Verses 35 through 48. You getting something out of this? Luke 12, 35. Be dressed in readiness And keep your lamps lit. And be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves or servants whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you, 
He will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come up and wait on them. Now, whether he comes in the second watch, does everybody remember what the second watch is? It's from 9 p.m. to midnight. Most folks are asleep by then. Whether he comes in the second watch or even in the third, from midnight to three, and finds them so, blessed are those servants. And be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. You too be ready. Think about that. If you knew the moment a thief was going to come and take from you, you'd be ready for him. Say, bring it on. You don't know what I've got in store for you. Jesus said, you too be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. And Peter said, Lord, are you addressing this parable to us or to everyone else as well? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom his master will put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that slave says in his heart, my master will be a long time in coming and begins to beat the slaves, both men and women, and to eat and to get to drink and to get drunk, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour that he does not know, And he will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with who? And that slave who knew his master. You see, he was saved. He knew him. And he knew his master's will, and he did not get ready. Or act in accord with his will shall receive many lashes. Do you know what we're talking about? We're talking about someone that knew God and willingly walked away. Probably got tired. But the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of a flogging will receive but few. And from everyone who has been given much shall much be required. And to whom they entrusted much of him, they will ask all the more. Church, I want to say this. We have been given much as believers in Jesus Christ. It's not just what we received. Remember this, what Jesus said, freely what? You've received. Now, freely give. Jesus is summing up this kingdom key very, very clearly, and he says, to whom much is given, of him shall much be required. And to whom men have entrusted much of him, they're going to ask all the more. And he uses this parable on watchfulness and on preparation. Everybody say watchful and prepared. That's what God wants you today. If you walk away without anything, walk away with that. Lord, help me be watchful and prepared. Whatever level of opportunity that God has given to you, both God and man expect you to give a certain standard of performance. We just, we just hired, not too many weeks ago, we just hired uh, new custodians. 
And there's a certain level of expectation that we have. We want the floors vacuumed. Well, I want to say this. If you miss vacuuming the floors, we're going to let you know about it. I mean, we love you and all, and we want a good working relationship. But listen, we're paying you to, to vacuum the floors, and if we come in and the stage isn't vacuumed, then we're going to bring it to your attention. If toilet paper isn't put out, we have people that are going to be coming in and need all these things. So we want to be prepared, and we want the people who work with us to be prepared. We want excellence being given because we're paying for that. Well, so does God, and God deserves that. Can you say amen? You see, favor from God, God gave us favor because of his son, and we've received what Jesus did on the cross, but favor carries with it responsibility. Say it again, responsibility. And as favor increases, guess what else increases? Responsibility. And so, let me just say this. If I'm a golfer, and I manage to get on the golf course, say, once a week, and I can score low enough to get by, well, my golfing partners, they're going to be satisfied, right? But if I'm given the skill and the opportunity to advance to the professional circuit, which I haven't, and then I perform like a once-a-week golfer, people will be disappointed and my stature will diminish severely. Amen? I mean, can you imagine watching PGA golf and the guy is constantly just slicing it. He's constantly in the woods. It's like, man, that dude, he, I don't even know how he made it. You see, I want to say this today, that it is, it is wrong if we ask God for something and then we don't accept the responsibility that goes with it. Now, I'm going to get real, real technical here because Jesus dealt with this. He said, be dressed in readiness. Okay, you say you know me. You say you love me. You say you've repented of your sin. But if you're not ready for me when I come back, that means you haven't even been working for me. In fact, do you remember what he said to this other guy? He said, You should have been looking over all of what I had, and yet what you did is you actually, I had elevated you above all these other servants, and now I come back to find you beating them. You you, you took your position wrong. And what happened? That guy lost his position and now was assigned to the same place unbelievers were. Harry Truman was noted for saying, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. You see, he, he related that the presidency of the United States carries heavy responsibilities, and if one doesn't want to face the responsibilities, then he shouldn't seek the office in the first place. Same can be said of the pastorate. I sometimes hear pastors complaining about the pressures of the ministry. Yeah, there's pressure. There's pressure to succeed. There's pressure to grow. There's pressure to please. There's pressure to stay fresh. There's pressure to to do all these things. But you've got to rise to the challenge and meet them head on. 
I often remember the times when I was a young pastor or a youth pastor, and I could transfer all the heavy-duty problems back to the, the head pastor. But once the sign got put on my door, senior pastor, the buck stops here. I'm always stopped momentarily as I read the words of James regarding teachers in James 3.1 where he says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such you're going to receive a stricter judgment. You see, the office of pastor-teacher carries with it a huge responsibility. In a small church... You, you're, you're, you also get to be electrician and carpenter and plumber. You wear a lot of hats, roofer, counselor, secretary, um, web designer, email, email man, cook, coffee maker, whatever. How many of you believe we need to learn to live in this principle of responsibility? Amen? We have not been given the responsibility in order to lose it. And we've not been given the responsibility like this guy in order to say, I'm in charge here. In fact, I'm going to tell you something. You want to be in charge? Just come talk to me. I'll let you do it. But once you do that, I'm going to walk away from it. You get to be in charge. It means if anybody calls about it, you get to deal with it. You got to come up with the fresh stuff. See what I'm saying? There's one thing I remember before I ever entered ministry. I don't know, I was about 13, 14. And my great-grandma, I told her what I was going to do. And I was like, I'm going to be a preacher. She kind of had that Audrey Hepburn voice, kind of shook a little bit. And she said, it's a hard thing that you're about to do. And I was like, I know. I didn't know nothing. Not a thing. Not a thing. We have been given favor, not to gloat in that favor, but to be responsible for that favor. And I'm going to close with this key today. Part of the responsibility factor, is everybody still with me? Means doing the work of God. In the same way, with the same fervor, and with the same commitment. As Jesus did. The zeal of God consumed him. And he didn't back off of truth because those in power pressured him. He stayed true to himself, and he stayed true to his father. 
Is anybody noticing this in our nation and in our world that we're slipping into shoddiness? Is anybody noticing this? Um, things not left done, they're, they're left done wrong. It's like, do you not see that? Um, and, and, it's, and it's across the board. It doesn't matter whether you're flying somewhere, whether you're eating somewhere, whether you're buying something somewhere, if you're getting food somewhere, getting service somewhere, shoddiness seems to be acceptable. Church, God doesn't do that. The Bible says that when God created, on six days he created everything, man being the last thing. Every, read it again. Every single day when it's done, behold, God said it was good. Behold, it was good. It was good. It was good. And then he got to man and he said, Behold, it is very good. Daniel was elevated because there was a spirit of excellence in him, not a spirit of shoddiness. I remember being taught how to work, and my dad would encourage me if I did it right, but he would also, after I was done, if it, was, if it looked like garbage, he'd say, Well, you got it done, but it, doesn't, it looks like garbage. Redo it. Now, some people think, well, that's just a mean dad. This generation of people, it seems, that live in life today, that's the, oh, you're getting on to me. Yeah, I'm getting on to you because you didn't do it right. There's a right way and a wrong way. That's the wrong way. Now, let me show you the right way. Here's the right way. Do you see the difference between the two? Amen? Let me give you another case in point. If you borrow something from somebody, don't give it back to them the same way you got it. Give it back to them better than you got it. If you're going to borrow somebody's car and it has a half a tank of gas in it and you use a quarter of a tank of gas, don't put a half a tank of gas in it. Fill it up. Wash it. Vacuum it. Amen. That's the kind of people God wants us to be. The people of God should fulfill the responsibility at the level to which God has raised us and he, because he will never raise us higher if we don't get up that. The key of responsibility must never hang on the key hook without being used. It's there for a reason. Amen? So, I know I kind of feel like I'm on a soapbox here, but what I'm talking about, church, is not just in the world, it's in the church. And you know what? If I didn't get paid a dime, I would still do what I do in the way I do it. Because one day, that's who it's for anyway. And I want him to say, well done. Good and faithful servant. So what do we have? What keys do we have? Number one, reciprocity. What does that mean? Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. If you do this, God will do that. Second key is the key of use. We need to use it or we'll lose it. The third key is the key of perseverance. Keep on keeping on. And the fourth key is the key called responsibility. Amen. Boy, we're only into four keys. This thing might take me five weeks. I don't know. That's all right. Whatever it takes. I just want you to get it. Because this is the way we want to be working when he comes.
And how many of you can say today, this world needs that world brought into it? Jesus said the kingdom of heaven's at hand. It's among us. And I want to walk in that. I want to live in that. And I want you to as well. Stand with me today. Let's pray to the Lord and let's ask him to help us be able to do what we've learned. How many of you believe that we can do that? You know, God's empowering us to do this. Say this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving me your word. Thank you for the life-giving word of the keys of the kingdom. Help me put these four keys to use in this natural kingdom. And help me bring the kingdom of God into this world, the invisible into the visible. And Lord, make any changes in me that need to happen to make it happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. God bless you. Have a great week. Go out there and change the world. We'll see you.